The advice and opinions expressed by the hosts of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Welcome to Autism Live, this very special edition. We have with us right now, Dr. Temple Grandin. She's going to be with us live for the next hour. Just if you're checking to see live, we're talking uh, about this is Tuesday, April 27th. We are having some issues with Facebook, but we are live right now on YouTube and on Twitter and Facebook is shaky. So we're on and off again. Uh, we'll try to maintain that. We're also live on our homepage, which is autism-live.com. And we are live on many, about 16 other sites at the moment. We encourage you to write in on whatever site that you're in. Say hello to Dr. Grandin. If you want to spread some love on her, now is the time to do that. We asked for questions uh, starting last week, and we have many questions. Uh, and as much as possible, we're going to try to answer the questions that were sent in early. I think there's one question we ought to answer. Uh, somebody wrote in here, if we cannot watch this live, will the recording be available to watch later? Yes. And uh, one of the things that I had done as we were starting was that I mentioned that there, this will be recorded and it will be available as a free download wherever you get your podcasts. That's, uh, you know, everything from iTunes to Apple Music, we're on Spotify. I, I mean, there's a million and eight different places. Any place where you get your podcast, we're a free download. Uh, we're also saying good morning to a bunch of people who are writing in, Kumar and Jean and uh, Prathusha and our Barney. We're so thrilled that you guys are here. You can also be watching us right now on autism-live.com. In fact, if you want to look at all the interviews that we've done with Dr. Grannon in the past, there is a playlist tab in there where you can watch any and all of the episodes that we have done with Dr. Grandin, which is really fun. Uh, and so welcome, Dr. Grandin. So thrilled to have you here in April. Uh, for a lot of people, this is Autism Awareness Month. For some, it is Autism Action. For others, it's Autism Acceptance. And I, I like all of the A words. Do you have a preference for which A word do you like to use in April or do you like them all too? Well, they're all good. They're all good. I love that. Uh, so Temple, uh, we're going to get started with some questions. But first, I, I know that recently when I was talking to you, you were starting to resume your live in-person speaking yes, yep. and that you were going to Tyler, Texas, and you saw something really cool there. Tell us what you saw there. Well, I've been, um, did my very first live conference in the mid middle of March. I went to Harding University and they had a 2000 seat auditorium and they put 600 people in it spaced out. It was really nice to get back on the road. I was at that point officially fully vaccinated three weeks after my second Pfizer shot. And uh, it's kind of weird going back in the airport. I was like going through the airport and it all looked the same. 
except I hadn't been there for almost a, for a whole entire year. And then my second trip was to Tyler, Texas. That was just over a week ago. And uh, talking to an autism group, also talked to, you know, future farmers students. And during that meeting, we went out to an autism camp that was called uh, uh, Elijah's uh, Retreat in Jacksonville, Texas. And they have cabins and they have families come out there with no tech. There's no TVs in these cabins. They're really nice. They have all the amenities, but there's no Wi-Fi. There's no television there. Because the whole purpose is to get the autistic kids and everybody off of tech. And then they have lots of activities, horseback riding, gardening, ping pong, foosball, basketball hoops, get them doing non-tech things. And they told me that three or four nights there are sort of the sweet spot. Because some of these kids, um, you know, they kind of go through some withdrawal without the tech. And then they discover that free play with other kids is really, is really um, a really fun thing to do. And they were, the people that run it were telling me that one of the most important things that parents learn from that is their kid can actually do stuff. And about two or three years ago, I went to a camp in Kearney, Nebraska. And their big activity was boating on just small boats with them. And parents would go, you got my kid on a boat? You got to be kidding. Again, it's showing what they can do. And then a third place that I didn't go visit, but the, this was a lady who drove me from an airport for about an hour and a half. And she does a camp for regular kids with no tech. And they feed animals and do all kinds of stuff with animals in the morning. And then in the afternoon, they have free play in the wal walnut grove. And for the first two days, the kids mope around because they don't have any tech. And then they discover free play climbing trees, throwing walnuts, things like that's just really fun. But they kind of have to go through a withdrawal. You know, and that's why at the Elijah's retreat, the um, three or four nights is a sweet spot because you got to get through the tech withdrawal. But the big problem I'm seeing with a lot of kids is they're getting so overprotected, they aren't learning shopping. Just absolute basics that I was doing by myself when I was seven and eight years old. And 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 then we got to talking about what what's the most important thing they can learn from going to this camp. Your kid can actually do stuff, and I think I, that's a really important lesson. I hear that. <laughs> you know, I, the Oscars was just the other night. I don't know if you're into that at all. Do you watch the Oscars? Well, I looked up to see who won, and, and I looked up a few things on it. Um, well, you know, one of the biggest categories for me, and I ranted and raved about it a little bit, was the documentary category. I didn't, I didn't look at that. Uh, who won the documentary? Well, my my, my octopus teacher won. Um, oh, that's, which is, that deserves it. Yep, that's a fabulous movie. I've heard well, and, things about that. And I and I I loved that movie. I'm not saying that I didn't like that movie, but there were three other movies in the category that I liked more. I don't know if you got a chance to see Crip Camp. Have you seen that movie? No, I haven't. Oh, Dr. Grandin, I want to encourage you. It it shows uh, uh, a, a group of people in the 70s that were, quote unquote, hippies, ran a camp for children that were differently abled, some of them profoundly differently abled. And they they show home movies of, of what was happening at the camp, but then they show how this group of kids goes on to really make a difference in uh, legislation and what laws now govern, um, you know, the 504 and uh, plan and 
you know, the, the fact that we, there are ramps into every single federal building now. It's really kind of fascinating, but there's one scene in particular where all of the young people are sitting around at the camp and they're talking and they're talking to each other and they're being led by um, what's hard for you. And they talk about the fact that their parents don't see them as people who are capable of doing other things yeah, and that they don't get privacy and that they don't, you know, that they don't want to be mad at their parents because their parents do things for them, but that it's really maddening because they know that they can do things. And I got to tell you, as a parent, it just like rocked me through my soul uh, and made me think about, we want to be protective as parents, but we have to be able to let them fly. Oh, right. You know, I remember talking to one mom, I suggested that her kid go shopping and she said she just couldn't let go. And I suggested they buy printer paper uh, in an office supply store, totally safe. And they just, they couldn't let go. But the problem is if you don't let go, they're not going to develop. Yeah. And uh, there was a girl in the airport a couple of years ago. Mom came up to me. They recognized me sitting in the gate and I, uh, uh, about 12 years old, we got to talking fully verbal. I asked her if she'd ever shopped. No, I gave her a $5 bill and I said, go to the newsstand across the hall there and buy something. And she went and bought a drink, brought the change back. First time she'd shopped. Now you do it in baby steps. I did not tell her to go the way to the other end of the airport. The store was across the hall. We could see it. So, I mean, you you schooled me on this. I, I'm sure you remember years ago, you and I were in a restaurant with my son and he was mad at me because I had not let him use the restroom by himself in the airport. And you gave me a dressing down temple. Yeah, <laughs> and, and you and while we sat there, you made him get up and use the restroom by himself. He was probably 11 or 12 yeah, at that point. Yeah, he was old enough to be using it by himself. Yes, he was. And I was being protective in public. So you, and that was great Temple because you helped me to, I, I need you to come back and help me. He's getting ready to go to college now. Uh, so, well, now I'm, he's going to have to be living by himself. Um, well, this, this year he's going to stay living at home. He's going to be commuting to college. Yes. He's going to be commuting this first year. So uh, I'm, I, I need to let go though. It's really hard. One of the things you could do you know, say when I went to college, I'd already been into boarding school, so I was used to living in a dorm. But I've suggested maybe a few nights, uh, do a night in a hotel, just as you know, the idea of being by yourself. Yeah, interesting. You know, and the hotel is right nearby. You know, you yeah. do it gradually. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good. Okay, we got a bunch of questions we got to launch into here. So Jess wants to know, I would love to give my 12-year-old a chance to volunteer this summer. I've heard you talk about how important that can be. I just don't know what he can do in a pandemic. Can you give me some ideas? Well, it depends upon how, you know, very, how bad the pandemic is, where you're at, and what the rules are. But there's still things you could do, walk dogs for people, um, yard work at other people's houses, you can do that. Um, I don't know how much, you know, churches have opened back up because there's lots of volunteer job possibilities there. Uh, and, he's, and how old was the kid? 12. 12, okay, it's not legal to work then. As soon as it's illegal to work, I wanna get him into jobs. And you have to be careful about, um, the multitasking. 
I'll tell you some stuff that doesn't work. You don't take an eight-year-old, an 18-year-old girl, Christmas rush, crazy, chaotic clothing store during Christmas rush. That did not work. You know, don't put them on the busiest shift at McDonald's and they're going to work the takeout label. That's just, just too much chaos. You know, if you do fast food, you can find a slower shift. Um, they, there's, because you can't load that working memory. I think we can all agree how employ important employment is. I think a lot of people find stumbling blocks in finding someone who will hire their kids. Use your, um, use your connections in the neighborhood. I always say to parents, who do you know that owns a shop? And they go, oh, so-and-so's got this little florist shop. Or, yeah, um, one mom owned a real estate office with multiple offices. And she hadn't even thought of her own business as a place. Now, I said, I want her in one of the branch offices away from you. Somebody else needs to be the boss. Yeah, I can't say enough. I'm sorry. She hadn't even thought of her own business, a real estate office. There's office work that, you know, that her kid could help out with. I, I can't say enough about the experience of having your kid work someplace where you're not at. Oh, I, I saw my important. Yeah. I saw my kid grow so much doing that. It was it was great. And what, uh, did, what did your kid do when he grew so much working somewhere else? Well, he was a camp counselor at the Ed Asner um, Family oh. Center for Camp Ed. And so I knew he was someplace where people got it. Um, I knew he was someplace where they were going to test him and see if he could do things and not give him more responsibility that he could handle. No, no, I knew no. that I knew that Matt and Nava Asner were going to like let me know if he was, you know, if he was not doing a good job or if there was something we needed to work on. It was really a privilege to have him work there. And what we discovered was that he has a real passion for working with differently abled young people. Um, and, and he, and I didn't think Temple, if you had asked me, I didn't think that he was going to want to work. I, I thought he was going to miss his summer and playing video games. He was so mad last summer when he didn't get to do it, uh, because of the pandemic, he wants to work. He thought that that was the be all end all. Um, so, and I just saw his self-esteem and well, here that you were able to replace the video games because I've heard some other successes with young adults. Um, auto shop, working on cars. They were able to talk to three different places at three different meetings right before COVID started where they were successfully weaned off video games doing car mechanics. And one of them now has a job fixing trains for the railroad and his mom said they love him. Wow. Wow. I love those kinds of stories. So Beth wants to know, thank you, Temple. We love you. What did your mom do to help you have good self-esteem? Uh, and how can we give this to our kids? Well, I wasn't praised for every little bitty thing I did. I, just every little piece of artwork I brought home or something. But when I did a really superior clay horse, uh, mother made a big deal out of that because that was something that was kind of exceptional. I wasn't praised for just regular stuff like being on time for get picked up for school. That was just stuff that was expected. But when I did something kind of really exceptional, then I got a lot of praise. Okay, so I, since you brought up this, I got to ask you this question. When you made the clay horse, did you make it by adding clay or by sculpting it out of clay? 
well, it was this plasticine kind of clay and I kind of just added the clay. No, I, I did not cut it out of a block of clay. It, I, it was made by adding the clay. Because I, you talk all the time about different brains, and I find it interesting when there are some people who can sculpt by adding, and others who can sculpt by taking away. So that's fascinating. Now Michelangelo sculpt by taking away, but with marble, you'd have to do that. Yeah, that'd be taking away. And he said he could see the statue in the in the stone. Yeah, absolutely. So Chenille wants to know. I heard you say it's important to have a digital portfolio. I want to help my daughter to do that with her drawings. How do you do that? Is there a class, a book, a program? It can be as simple as you screenshot them and put them on your phone. It can be that simple. Anybody can do that. The, the trick right. to good screenshots of drawings is find a sunny spot where the sun comes into the house, put the picture on the rug, and just hold the phone over it. It works. Okay. easy to do no you don't it, it, it you 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 just need to have them where you can find them easily and you don't find like the absolutely ridiculous cat picture along with it or some other thing that you really wouldn't want to show but yeah, that would be have them you never know where you could show off your work and get a job i learned and i had my portfolio was in a notebook and you just have the pictures there and you can show it and you can take really decent screenshots of pictures uh the trick is sun i've got one a certain time of day the sun comes in a sliding door and i've got big you know sun on the on the carpet and i just i just put when i was old photos i've had that's how i used them that's how uh, uh, there's a photo in my new book um, uh, the outdoor scientist right here, the outdoor scientist, get kids outside. I screenshot that on the floor of my house. <laughs> it was Hold that up again. Out of, out of, yep, that's the um, that's the outdoor scientist in my new book. Is this out yet? It just came out. The outdoor scientist. What will we find in it, Temple? Well, it's getting kids outside, observing nature, doing the kind of things that I did when I was a child. We collected rocks. My sister and I both collected rocks and we bust them open. Now you need to wear safety goggles for that to see what they look like inside. And then we displayed them on, on shelves in the tool shed. And we had a great time doing that. Starts out in the beach, finding shells, making artwork out of shells, um, you know, animal behavior, watching animals, um, getting involved with citizen science, looking at the stars. Um, just get kids outside um, doing things. And it's not, and none of the stuff's expensive. I and love also, it. Also projects in there that kids can do. I love it. And is that available through Future Horizons? Yeah, you can get it at Future Horizons. You get it on Amazon. It'd be available every, everywhere. Your local independent bookstore. In fact, it made the independent bookstore bestseller list for, for kids' books. Love it. I love it. And what a great book as we're starting to come out of this isolation and get our kids outdoors. That's a great, I know well, uh, many people have written about the anxiety kids are having about being outdoors. This is a great book to get them well, back outside. The thing is, you're not going to get COVID. I've really researched on the getting COVID. You go out in your front lawn, a lot of the stuff you could do on your front lawn and there's no people around your front lawn. You're not going to get COVID going outside. Right. It's when you uh, get 
uh, it's when you get, when all during all the COVID last summer, people were tubing on the Poudre River. They were not getting sick. I'll tell you where they were getting sick. We'd have a restaurant, all the employees sick. We'd have a store, all the employees sick. They're jamming up little tiny break rooms where they take the masks off and then the entire staff would be sick. And I figured out it was it's airborne and you're not gonna get it just going out in a field somewhere where there's no other people. That's safe to do, even with the new, more infectious strains. Uh, you know, these are things that you could do. Right. I think and it's a great, I, great I, idea. I, I mean, I finally got vaccinated in February, but I'd walk around my neighborhood and I did all kinds of stuff outside. And I even ate carefully on some restaurant patios, very carefully. I mean, so it's going to had to do some stuff so I wouldn't go crazy. Absolutely. But even vaccinated, I'm not, I'm going to wear a mask when in with a bunch of people inside. Absolutely. You know, and, and then that's the one thing that you really need to do. I'm uh, looking at all the science. Uh, there was just an airplane that had a big infection. Scary. And, and uh, you know, see that you're in there with a bunch of people. I did not go on an airplane until I was fully vaccinated, which was three weeks after my second Pfizer shot. Uh, and they'd say that you've got great common sense advice. They love that. Hasali no, wants, you know, I, you know, and there's the things you can do in this book. You can do even if we're locked down. You know, if you've got a yard or some place like that, you can go. Uh, even if you're in the city, um, well. Pigeons are interesting to observe. There's plenty of wildlife there. Even in the city, there's things to do. I love it. I can't wait to get it. Hasali wants to know, and this is one you'll love. During the pandemic, I allowed my son more time to play video games than I should have. How do you recommend weaning him off of it now? And how do I get him interested in something else? Well, you do it slowly, but you replace it with something else and give them choices. And um, I'm the visual thinkers like me. I've, always, I've talked about the different kinds of minds. And, um, and the visual thinkers like me that are good at art and building things uh, tend to get addicted to video games. Uh, the word thinkers that like history less so, I think. But we replace it with something else. And somebody just wrote on the chat here, uh, they looked outside while a, of the bus, they saw birds digging for worms. Okay, that's the kind of stuff I want you observing. And right after the um, outdoor scientists went to print, um, I was sitting in the gazebo with my students and a squirrel was under a tree digging and then he put the nut in his mouth and he tried the depth of the hole and it wasn't deep enough. And so he digs some more and he put the nut in his mouth and then he'd try it. Wasn't uh, And finally after three tries, he got a hole that was deep enough to hide the nut. That was 10 feet from my front door. You know, so there's all kinds of things that like this you can observe. I saw a crow the other day. I walk around just through the condo complex every day. And I was doing that during the height of COVID. When I was not vaccinated, I was walking around there. And I, there was a crow that uh, wanted to get a drink. So he goes to a pothole in the middle of the road and takes a drink and goes, ick. And then he drinks from there by the, by the uh, side of the road that was cleaner and he drank that. Oh, funny. That was something, yeah, but that's fun stuff to observe. Because yes. since I've done this book, I'm now looking more carefully just in my own neighborhood. There's bunnies, there's squirrels. There's Interesting thing. 
The interesting thing is that we keep being told about mindfulness and that this is exactly the same thing they tell us to do with mindfulness is to take a moment and observe nature. And they've, they're showing across the board that it helps reduce stress, that it helps reduce your blood pressure, yeah. that you know, you'll have less anxiety if you tune into nature in just the way that you're describing. Well, it, but there's interesting things to observe. We've got to, you know, get doing stuff. Another thing that's helped me uh, with all this lockdown stuff, get up in the morning, get dressed, ready for work by seven o'clock. You know, that's what they do on the space station. And I suggested, I think on the last program, life on the International Space Station, but being on a schedule. And I found that when I get out of the shower, I feel a whole lot better than I did when I went into the shower. You say, and then get dressed for work, not in jammies. Yes, I, I agree. I don't always do it, but I agree. Devorah wants to know, what's your favorite place in the world to visit? And is there any place you haven't been that you would like to go? Oh, I'd love to go in a, in a spaceship. I don't think I want to go to Mars like that movie is about, but I'll just go on up to the space station for a week. That'd be really fun thing to do probably not something I'm going to get to do, but I like to geek out on all those videos now that I've been watching all the Mars helicopter and all of that stuff with a great interest. It's interesting because somebody else asked a question further on my list here. They wanted to know that if you had the opportunity, if uh, Elon Musk were looking for people to, to go on a space flight, would you sign up to do it? Uh, I wouldn't go to Mars, but I would definitely go on an orbital one. Very definitely. Have you met Elon Musk? No, I haven't. <laughs> Maybe we need to work that out. Is Maybe it something? Can, yeah. Is it Maybe something you really like to do? Yeah, I would like to do that. One of the things I like about Elon Musk is he gets stuff done. And okay, some people may not agree with some of the things he says or does, but we have too much in this in this world of people not getting stuff done. And, and stuff that's innovative, original stuff. We have too, too many people spending too much of their brains on text scams and phone scams and scams on the computer. Oh, I just can't believe it. I got um, this new text scam. I looked it up and it was a complete scam. I deleted it. I just can figure everything that I don't know what it is, is a scam now. But we yep. got a whole lot of smart people figuring out how to rip off older people that's just terrible it is terrible it's completely they want to know if they want to know if you're aware of greta thunberg and, uh, yes, and her work yes i am aware of her yep she totally cut down on her flying um well and she's been you know i haven't heard so much from her since the pandemic got started but um see one thing that being autistic does is give and she's autistic is kind of give you 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 work on on a project work on getting something done and she she's getting a lot done elon musk has gotten done we need more people that do stuff <clears throat> he grew up using tools <clears throat> horribly bullied i read that he had his nose smashed i uh, you know really bullied really badly uh, but he also learned to work hard. He did some real dirty jobs. Like he got a job when he was really young, cleaning out really filthy tanks. But so he learned how to work. Uh, he also had the 
guts to talk himself into an internship at a bank um, by being persistent. But it's sort of like never taking your eyes off the goal. We need more people that actually do stuff. Okay, like with all the COVID stuff going on, we got these vaccines made and they've had scrubs at some of these factories that we have basic principles in factories we do for, for food. Well, they need to get some of our HACCP people and go clean up this one plant. Uh, they were just doing stupid things. That it's, it's baby good manufacturing practices, basics. Yeah. You know, Roberta, you, wants, Roberta wants to know, she says, I'm 32 years old and do not yet have a diagnosis, although my family thinks I would qualify for an autism diagnosis. Is there any point to get it, getting a diagnosis at this point because she's 32? Well, you sometimes have to get diagnoses for services. If you need some kind of service, but if you don't need services, I would just read the books. Then you'll know. And is there a book you would most recommend, like one of yours? Well, actually, probably for her, since she's already an adult, she might want to read Different Not Less. This is 18 people diagnosed as adults, all in jobs, all, um, you know, self-support themselves in jobs, ranging from a doctor, computer person to a tour guide. I made sure we had a variety of different jobs in there. And where it really gave them insight was into their relationships. And, and uh, okay, so the spouse, not getting along with the spouse. Well, then when you understand how you think differently, that can be that can give real insight. And I found that when I was editing this book, we actually had we did it kind of as a contest. We had a form they had to do childhood. They had to like write it out in a format. And we used half of the entries. And one of the they had to have a job where they were completely self-supporting. That was one of the requirements. And I deliberately picked a variety of careers. I didn't just fill it up to a computer science kind of people. And I got a lot of insight reading it. It's a great and, and uh, she might find that helpful. And you see enough of the traits, you, you see it's a behavioral profile. It's not a hardcore biological diagnosis like you have COVID and we find out you have a, this variant. That is an absolute definitive diagnosis. Autism is not that way. It's a behavioral profile. And, and uh, you know, it's something that uh, some people as an adult with a, in their relationships felt relieved when they got a diagnosis. But it's a behavioral profile. I've had lots of granddads come up to me at meetings and they'll say, oh, I found out I'm on the spectrum after the kids got diagnosed. And they never bothered to get a formal diagnosis. Yeah. Victoriana wants to know, can you talk about your sensory issues as a child and how you overcame them? And do you still have sensory issues now? I have sensory issues now, but they're just nuisances. They're not debilitating. I gotta have soft things against my skin. That's something I still have to have. Um, all the underwear has to be washed before I can wear it because I get rashes from chemicals they put in fabric when they make it. Uh, it's, uh, but it's so, I find when my pants wear out, I find a hard time buying a pair of pants that doesn't itch because it cheapened up some of the cottons. Uh, but some people, when they said that they didn't do hygiene because it hurt when they would use the towel to wipe themselves off, I don't have that problem. I, but then we got to figure out a way to solve that because the hygiene thing, that's one of the non-negotiables. 
You know, there's all this talk right now about masking. Well, I'm not going to go out and do bar scene, but I don't think it's masking. Just do a little business social. Say good morning in the, in the morning. You can't just walk up. I, mean, I had an autism activist years ago walk up to me at a meeting in another country, and he just walked up to me and said, who the swear word are you? Well, that's not acceptable. You know, there's yeah. no reason to be doing that kind of stuff. Uh, but on the hygiene thing, uh, one person would uh, just use a hairdryer to dry themselves off. Well, I wouldn't like the noise of the hairdryer. Uh, okay, so do that. Or they like to put on clothes and just let the clothes dry them. Well, then you could have a you know, a shirt and a pants that you just use for drying, hang them on the towel rack. But the one thing that you, I think you really have to conform, you just cannot be a filthy, dirty slob that's rude and... And this is where that granddad just had enough of that manners taught, you know, a little bit of this stuff you got to do. But on the other hand, there's accommodations that are needed. Like I don't have the problem with certain lights that flicker, but there are certain people where if there's certain kinds of cheap LED lights that flicker, they're going to drive them crazy. That, that they're going to need that accommodation, you know, breaks to calm down, a quiet place to work. Yeah, there's some things like that that would need to be accommodated. Were there sensory issues, though, that you had as a kid that were were much stronger? Or, well, it, or is it, it pretty much the same? It was, it, what I see, I've been on antidepressants now for 40 years, and that seemed to damp it down some, because my nervous system didn't re react to it as much. I still, I've got to have pants that are, I can't wear scratchy pants on a plane. I got to sit on a plane for three and a half hours. I gotta have. I can't have pants that itch on a plane. That just drives me crazy. I I've got to have soft things against my skin. I remember watching Star Trek, you know, uh, Next Generation, and looking at the clothes that people wore, and I thought, oh, is this what the future is going to be like, where people are going to have soft clothes that aren't binding? Because all the characters on Star Trek Next Generation, this was years ago. It looked like they were in these very comfortable tunics. They were, yeah, they were very comfortable. And like those kind of tights that a lot of girls wear now, I would have would have been fine with those. Absolutely yeah. fine. No, no problem. You know, uh, I think James? There's a lot of different things that you can get now that are soft. But the thing that, uh, the one thing that, you know, was that scene in the movie where they slammed down the deal or the hygiene thing is non-negotiable, even on a construction site. Uh, BO's not welcome. You're going to have to clean it up. And, and uh, you know, if it hurts for you to use the towel, then you could have some clothes that you dry in that you'd put on for five minutes, sort of pat dry, then hang those on the towel rack. They're your towels. You know, I'm trying to figure out a way to solve the problem. There we go. Uh, James wants to know what's been the hardest part of the pandemic for you? Well, it's... Um, it's being lonely, you know, that's been, a, that's been a problem. I've had to, you know, figure out things to do. Um, there were places I went, there was some eating out I did extremely carefully. I would go over to school because our meats lab was considered essential and it was open and operating and I'd go there, but I always stayed out in the part. Of, I, I never went in the little bitty offices that are in there. I never went in there. Are you back in there now? Are you back having in-person classes? Well, we're, we've been doing the labs in person. No, my class was online. But now, now that I'm vaccinated, I'm sort of like, oh, I'm free. That's like freedom. 
I don't have to worry about catching it and dying because I am 73. Uh, was it so weird going back so into anxious about, oh, is something going to go wrong? Am I, you know, they're going to run out by the time I get there to get the vaccine. I want that vaccine so bad. <laughs> well, and how, you know, I'm asking everybody when they get the vaccine, how was it for you, Temple? Well, my side effects were relatively mild. I, I had a sore arm, just like I would with a flu shot, a little tiny bit of a headache. Um, and a little bit sore all over and a really weird anxiety dream about the airport. I dreamed I went to the airport and and I left my wallet somewhere and somebody found it and brought it back and every credit card and my license and everything was out of it. But I didn't get, I woke up while well, I was getting ready to check the money part. I don't know if they got the money or not, but they got all the cards. <laughs> Was that after the first one or after the second one? It was actually after the first one. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Okay. Uh, what Khalil wants to know, what does Temple attribute to all of her success? Lots of hard work. But when I was, um, I learned how to work as a young, when I was in high school, I got kicked out of regular school uh, ninth grade, I went to special boarding school. They put me to work running a horse barn for the first three years. Parents weren't too thrilled about that. And the headmaster says she's got to get through our adolescence. But I also learned how to work. I was in charge of that horse barn. Uh, I, I was totally, uh, totally in charge of it. And I was proud of that. And then Mr. Carlock came in my final year there and gave me interesting projects to do and now education became a pathway to a goal of becoming a scientist. I turned it around overnight on study. And then when I got to college, I was already used to living um, away from home. I got stuck in a room with two other girls. That absolutely would not have worked. I got stuck in a triple. And they finally moved me to a single temporarily and then a double. But a triple room absolutely would not have worked. But some of the issues that some of the kids are having now, I didn't have. Losing homework and being late for class. You see, this is where when I was a young child, time meant you had to get up in the morning. You had to be ready to get picked up from school. You know, they, uh, once I had decided to go to school, I didn't miss classes. My mother said each class is the price of an expensive theater ticket. I never forgot that. Uh, and I did have some social problems. But when I failed my first math quiz, I got tutoring right away. The big mistake that students make is they mess up a quiz, the first quiz in a the class, they don't do something about it. That's the big mistake they make. Okay. And I had to be tutored every single math class. Now in my small college, my the professor did it during office hours. But when I was getting my master's, I had to hire a graduate student to do it. But I did it when I failed the first quiz. Don't wait until you've trashed the class. Now, I, I got to see as in Charlie in statistics, but that's passing grade. So I'm, uh, you know, well, I, I got through it. Well, that leads into our next question from Samuel, who wants to know advice for college students, which you pretty much have talked about. But he also wants to know, do you suggest that college students disclose to the college their diagnosis? It depends. I mean, it depends on what they might need for accommodations. You know, uh, I just, uh, Arizona State didn't know. And I went there for my master's, but it was called get tutoring. It wasn't called self-advocacy then. It was called get tutoring before I flunked the class. 
I love and it. That's what I did. And I did it after, and then when I, in my PhD, I did the same thing. I moved on it right away before the class was failed. You see, that's the big mistake that gets made. I was used to living away from home. The other problem I'm seeing is I'm seeing smart kids on the spectrum graduate from college, sometimes with a PhD, and, and then they lose it in the workplace because they never learned any work skills. I want kids in high school, instant they're legal. I want two real jobs in the yeah. summer. Yeah, and right and, uh, I, I, and not have too much multitasking. Driving, it took a lot longer. 200 miles on dirt roads before I did any traffic. You got to learn how to drive before you get with the traffic. Do it. Take longer. Start in a gigantic parking lot. 20 minutes a day. That took, um, you know, 36 miles a week. I was doing it was three miles up and three miles back from the mailbox on the ranch. But that's, um, it, my, my, I don't think I could have done the things I could have done if I had not been able to drive. It's like you read my mind because there was a question on here. I can't find it about driving, about how you learn to drive. So that's really, really well, helpful. Let's start out, you know, parents are get afraid. All right, let's find a big parking lot and a stadium somewhere or a big or abandoned mall. Try to find one with no lamp posts if possible. And you start in the middle of it. I had to learn on th a, a manual shift. And I started in the middle of the horse pasture. It did not start by the patio gate where the truck would have lurched through the patio gate. Good plan. Very good plan. And you say, uh, I, I see oh. that patio gate when I say that. And it would have busted it then lurched forward. <laughs> I can picture the patio gate too. Uh, we had several people who wrote in and asked questions about toe walking. They want to know if you toe walked, do you toe walk now? And what do you advise for toe walking? Well, you need to talk to an OT or a PT and, and, and that's going on in the little kid. There's exercises to correct that and you need to get professional advice. I wouldn't just uh, uh, ignore it. There's exercise okay. and things that an OT can do. Great. Rachel wanted to know, how do you feel about being famous? Does it overwhelm you um, to have people recognize you and come up to you in public places? It's a responsibility. I've always got to be on my good behavior. I got to make sure, well, I got to have my mask on because I got to set a good example. Take a picture of me at the airport, but the mask has to be on. Um, Always, I've got to um, set a good example. It's you have such a good work ethic, uh, Temple. Where do you think you got that from? Was that just you, or was that your mom, or was it one of your teachers? Well, I think it was three years of running the school's horse barn. Had a lot to do with it. I fed them. I put them in and out. I did everything except the financials. I did not buy the feed. And there's the scene in the movie where the horse died. And... It died because it was fed the wrong feed that I did not buy, that I questioned. They got oat straw. And I remember asking the faculty member in charge, said, this doesn't look like regular hay. Is this safe to feed the horses? And there was no other hay. And, I, and there wasn't enough grass outside that was in the winter time. And I questioned it. I said, this doesn't look like regular hay. Are you sure this is safe? And I was told to feed it. 
the biggest horse in the barn died very shortly afterwards, clogged up with colic. And then after that, they got real hay. But you remember, this is in the 60s. There was no way for me to look it up on Wikipedia. Right. There was no way right. to, school had no nutrition books or anything like that. There was no I way to- I do frustrating. Well, and I, had... and one thing they did is they made it very clear to me that the horse dying was not my fault. But I questioned oat straw. I said, this doesn't look like regular hay. You, this must be a mistake that you bought this. And I was told to feed it and there was nothing else to feed them. Um, so uh, Bassian, I think, um, wants to know, how did Temple's mother tell her about autism? And does she have any advice on how to tell our children? Well, the thing that one thing I managed to get through elementary school without being bullied, and that's because Mrs. Steech, the third grade teacher, explained to the children I had a disability that wasn't visible, like a wheelchair, and they needed to be helping me. I, I didn't fully understand it until I was a teenager because my elementary school years went reasonably well. And that's because the kids were not bullying me. And I had some friends who shared interests in doing craft projects. But then when girls get to be adolescents, a large girls' school, that did not work. Um, they're interested in boys and makeup and all that stuff. I was never interested in any of that stuff. And kids were no longer interested in projects. Now, when I got into the boarding school, I still got bullied and teased. But I did have friends I went riding with and doing model rockets and electronics. Friends through shared interests. I can't emphasize that enough. You know, somebody said bring back home ec and shop and art and theater and music because the other reason for having all these classes is they expose students to possible career options. Now, I had music lessons and piano lessons that didn't work for me, but I got exposed. Okay, I want to uh, dip into, Harris wants to know, did you ever design buildings that don't have to do with cattle? Well, most of the stuff I have, you know, has had to do with cattle, but I did have one exception to that. Uh, they built this, when I was at the University of Illinois, they built this huge research center called the Beckman Center. And I did a sketch for an idea for that that my professor asked me to make to help sell the idea of that building. And unfortunately, he needed the sketch so bad on a Sunday, I gave him the original, so I don't have a copy of the drawing. And he wanted this thing, that, um, kind of really weird kind of building. And I drew it. And it helped sell the Beckman Center. You can look it up at the University of Illinois. Wow. What and that had is... nothing to do with cattle. He wanted these wow. things people could, could see each other through windows across the atrium where people would be mixing in the hallways. And So they did, they built the building? Well, they didn't build anything that looked like the drawing, but they, he wanted something. They were trying to get some major, major big funding. It was Bill Greeno. He was one of my major professors, neuroscientist, and he wanted me to make this drawing to help get a big funder for the Beckman Center, a big pile of money, which they got. Wow. And what they ended up building looked totally different, but it's happy. It's a really beautiful um, center where they do a lot of research, and I had a little tiny part of that. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, I Somebody wants to, Cole wants to know, are you still in contact with Claire Danes who played you in the movie? And how did the movie change your life? Oh, it made my life a whole lot busier. And <laughs> that's what it definitely did. 
and you know, the question came up about how did I feel about all the tension. I go, it's a responsibility. Yeah. That's the way I look at it. No, it's sort of like a construction project. When it's over, everybody goes their separate ways. Yeah. Yeah. And and the thing that was interesting is the movie set had a lot of similarities to construction project. The main difference is the food. We had gourmet food there. <laughs> going about yeah. But everybody that put something into that movie was a separate vendor. You had a person that did the dressing room trailer, a person that did sets, another person with another truck that was the electrician, another person that was making sets, and they were all independent people. Um, that's exactly how you do a, a big construction job. You have what, what's called all the subs. And of course, I'm always interested in business stuff. So I'm walking through the parking lot to see how many subs they had on the job. They set up their, their list for doing the um, photographing of the of the movie, same way you set up all the subcontractors for a construction site and they had it on the wall, the office. Um, but it was sort of the same thing. And I, there was one HBO employee, he sat in the office and paid the bills. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You had to have that, had to have that. and they did it at the old Austin airport uh, that's being was being turned into a movie studio. Oh, I didn't know that. And that's I was there. I was there when they did some of the uh, when they did the final dipping vat scene. I had to make sure everything was going right because that was a, those were real. There were no chemicals in it, but that was they actually built, recreated the original real thing. Wow, absolutely amazing! David wants to know: Do you stim a lot? You know what I mean? Self-stimulatory behavior. Do well, you have I a do, stim? I find I move my hands a lot. Like I've been, I'm gonna show you some of the stuff I've been doing. I managed to decorate this post-it note right here. Um, taking the, I was taking this clip and doing this, but I know how to do it without making, it makes a noise. Uh-huh. I was messing with this binder clip. During I, the I, show? Yeah, yeah, I was doing it during the show. I, I was, wanna see, I wanna see the I decoration on the- a, Doing this with the binder clip during the show, but you didn't see it. No, I, 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 can I uh, see the post-it note again? Like it was so organized. Well, because that's my yesterday's schedule is on there. Oh, okay. Don't show that then. I don't want well, you to show I'm that. I'm talking a phone number out on it. All right. Now I can show it to you. Yep. That's my yesterday's schedule. Now I didn't have all those scribbles on it yesterday, but I scribbled on that just now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've so drawn on my... Having something to do with my hands. And that came up at an autism meeting about, you know, accommodations in the classroom. Well, when I was in high school, I used to click pens. Well, that drives people crazy. You can't be clicking pens. You know, you got to find something to do that doesn't bother other people. Absolutely. And, you know, have those little stress balls. And I've got some interesting stress balls I've picked up at conventions. How about a Commodore computer? That's an antique stress ball. <laughs> and an oil rig equipment. Oil field. Stress ball. That's cool. But that's they, cool. So you like the squishies. Well, but that's something that someone could have in their hand and it wouldn't bother anybody. So find something to do with your hands that, and I doodle a lot, but that doesn't bother anybody. You know, find something to do that's not distracting. You see, this is like, because if someone's clicking pens, that's totally distracting. Absolutely. Now, and I'm very careful how I, you see, if I do the clip like that, it makes a noise. I didn't do yeah, that. But I didn't know. All right, I well, got. I only have time for one more question. Sure, I made sure it didn't make any noise when I was doing it. 
I'm okay. doing it right now. Now, now make sure that now I'm showing it to you, but I've had this in my hand for most of the interview. I love it. Okay, I've got time for one more question. And then, I want, and then I want to show, have you show all of your books. But they want to know, does Temple like to golf, swim, hike? What does she like to do? Well, I'm not, I'm, I'm not that big on that kind of stuff. I'd rather go out and handle some cattle or do something like that. That's the kind of stuff I really like to do. One of the funnest things I ever did was working on construction sites because a construction site's just grown up. Okay, when you're a kid, you make it with mud and cardboard and you grow up, you make it out of steel and concrete. It's the same thing, making stuff. I, I, most funnest things I could, you know, I draw a drawing and I go out to a construction site and watch them build it. That's now, I get woodworking myself, but on the steel, you know, see something. When I did a drawing, I did the rebar and everything in it, and, you know, and then see it get built. Some of the most funnest stuff I ever did was on construction. I really miss that. Um, I like to, you know, when I go places that I visit, I'll watch them build stuff. I love go, it. Oh, man, they're using that old-fashioned forming system. Or, oh, man, that's the coolest forming system I ever saw. Um, you know, I'll do that at airports because, and look at things they're building. Go, well, that's just stupid what they're doing there. Or <laughs> that's um, But I, correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like one of the times that I called you during this pandemic time, you would just come back from flying a kite. Is that something you do from time to time? Well, it was something I just did then. I've been doing a lot of writing. I've been lining up tons of writing projects. And then I got some things that I'll go do. I'm, you know, certain people is eating with. We're still doing that. I eat with my students. Even during COVID, we were meeting in the gazebo outside. And, uh, oh. and then when one of the students thought she got exposed, then she didn't get near me. I mean, we were real careful. But the problem is, if you don't do some things, you're going to go out of your mind. Yeah. And you're not going to get COVID walking around the neighborhood and nobody's within 20 feet of you. Yeah. No, I looked at the science very, very carefully. Oh, and when I went over and I visited our meat slide, there's a little bitty office in there. I walked in there one day, I go, whoop, I shouldn't be in here. And I got out because you know how I figured out it's, it's air, it was airborne? I figured that out right in the beginning. I'm a visual thinker. Let's look at the places that had the big infections. Cruise ship, prisons, and aircraft carrier. What do they have in common? Well, on the Both aircraft quarters. carrier, they'll stack them in the bunks. Yeah. Tight air spaces, very little ventilation. Absolutely. That uh, well, Tempo, we are would spread through an entire cruise ship. Yeah, yeah no, I'm totally with you on what this. I, I always love it when you, you know, use your scientific brain to explain things. One of the first conversations I ever had with you, we were talking about Fukushima, and you said to me, you know what? That plant was designed by someone who didn't have an autistic brain because an autistic brain would never have designed it that way. And you said, looking at the plans, that you you took one well, look at them and you would have known. But the flooding, you see, now the thing it's that was crazy on that, I've looked into more into Fukushima. They, the math, mathematical engineers did a perfect job of making it shaking proof. It shook during the earthquake. All the emergency system works. Everything worked. And it was fine when it stopped shaking. 20 minutes later, it was drowned. You see, they they didn't 
visualize the water coming in there. And and there were, if you looked at the you know history, there's lots of tsunamis. They didn't um, see water going in on that site and what it would do. Yeah, and, and electrically operated pumps not going to run when it's underwater. Yeah. And when well, I need that pump, I really need it. Yeah. So Temple, unfortunately, we're out of time, but I want you to take just a second and show us all your books. You've got a bunch of books over there, and I want you to show them one at a time. Um, This is a new outdoor scientist that just came out. Lots of cool projects. Now, Thinking in Pictures now has a new edition where I added an afterward with some of the latest uh, information in it. The rest of the book is all the same. This is Animals in Translation. Um, That's really popular with zoologists. And then I've got um, Animals Make Us Human. And this is my uh, Temple Grandin's Guide to Working with Farm Animals. If you've got kids working with farm animals, you'll like this. And then this is my Way I See It, my most basic book on autism, The Way I See It. And then, of course, I've got The um, the Calling All Minds. And, and then, of course, I did already showed you Different Not Less. And there's a few other books, but those are some of the major ones. Very cool. What are you reading right now? What's- well, I, what am I reading right now? Uh, Science, Nature, Wall Street Journals. I, you know, that's why I know about COVID. The only way I could keep myself from freaking out about COVID when it first started was to know everything about it. And so I very carefully looked at my risk factors and go, okay, now, I'm going to go over to our meat slab, but I'm going to stay out in the part where the cattle are and not, and I'm a little tiny office. I slipped and went in there once. I go, no, get out of there. I'm going to be very careful there. And thank I, goodness, because you're a national out, treasure. On patios, very carefully. And I assume you haven't gotten to see your mom during all this time. No, Christmas was canceled. I, yeah. I was not vaccinated. No, that was canceled. No, I. one thing I decided, I am not going on a plane until I'm fully vaccinated. Uh, absolutely not. I was not going to take that risk. And basically Christmas got canceled. Uh, yeah. It's because it would have been in New York. And then unfortunately mother had a fell right before Christmas. Oh. And she's, you know, she's now in a really nice assisted living and she's doing just fine there. And that was two weeks before Christmas. That pretty well wrecked Christmas. So we had yeah. two Zoom calls. That's all we could do. Well, uh, so there was no way talk- uh, that I was going to take the risk of, um, you know, at 73 years of age, going going to the airport. That's just, yeah. you see, you see, the other thing I look at is your risk increases the more people you encounter. Yeah. Okay, so if I learned this. This is one thing I learned in my math class. In finite math is probability. A slot machine, um, it, unless it's one of the new electronic ones now, it's independent. So each person you meet, there's a certain risk they might have it. So the more people you, you encounter, the greater the risk. So I wasn't going to go to the airport. I made a decision that flying was not going to happen until Pfizer vaccine or the whatever one I would have ended up getting would have been fully effective. And then Absolutely. the day after I had the fa- this vaccine, I booked the flight for three weeks later. And I went on that trip to Harding University. But it's it's like I by having knowledge, then I wasn't so scared. Yeah. I could That's look true. at it. I also had a you know, you can fall down the stairs and 
be in final trouble. Uh, but by having more knowledge, oh, when I was reading journal articles and everything, it made me less scared. Now, on the, so far right now, the vaccines are working, even against the variants. Let's just put it this way. Even with the new variants, if I rated a vaccine as excellent with the original variants, with the new variants, I'd still rate it as very good. There we go. I'd put it that way. And so far, I've, yep, international travel's out. I'm not going to do that. I don't want to get stuck in a hotel for two weeks. Yeah, for now. Yeah. Not well, sure. that's okay. We'll we'll keep you safe and keep you at home for now. You're a national treasure temple, and you are such a guiding light in our community. Thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, and I, thank I, you. I, I gotta ask this question from Pablo here. He says, "I'm a 30 year old okay. autistic man. How can I find my passion in life? I feel like my life doesn't make any sense. I'm desperate for finding something to do in my life." Well, I'd recommend get out and do some volunteer things. Get out and do some things. I get asked all the time, how did I end up in the cattle industry? I ended up in it because I was exposed to it as a teenager. If I had not been exposed to the cattle industry, I wouldn't have been in it. It's that simple. So I'd recommend to this man, I'd also ask him some questions because I want to figure out if he's a visual thinker, a math guy, or a word guy. And then maybe what might be an available things you could try, things you could do, because uh, you develop passions for stuff you get exposed to. It's, it's that simple. So, uh, and you want to do something constructive. I, I'm just appalled at, I'm getting two or three scam phone calls, scam texts, cute dog picture that was a scam. They didn't trick me on that one. I'm, well, and then I delete them and then I look them up online and I find out they're scams, but I don't, I don't open, I don't, I'm at the point now Attachments, I don't know what it's from. I'm going to just, delete. if I don't know the emails from, it's just getting deleted. And I'll they're so the clever. They're insidious. They're just I, insidious. I, my policy now is it's all a scam. Yep. And and I have people call me and I'm, I'll do, you know, when it's the scammers, I'll go, oh, woof, 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 woof. Meow, well, meow, 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 meow. Oh, Tempo, I'm going to borrow that. But sometimes I, I have people call me where it's legitimate. And I'll just say, now, who's calling? And sometimes it's somebody from a foreign country. So I have to answer my phone. And then they go, oh, we're the Medicaid advisor. Bam, hang that yep. one up. Yeah. But you yes. know what's a sad one? I got a fake Special Olympics call. Now, that's oh. really disgusting. And the way I figured out it was a scam is I wrote down the number. And after I hung up the cell phone, I went to Google and I wrote the word scam. And I typed in that number and it came up as a scam. And I think it's very, very sad when somebody's using Special Olympics in a scam call. Yeah, it's just awful. Well, it's also insidious that they prey on people that are older, too. I, oh, yeah, you like know. They're, they're totally after seniors. And... And um, I'll, I'll say, thing, well, who do you work for? Where's your call center located? Yeah. Oh, and then the IRS ones. Oh, I've gotten those. That's for all. me, it's the Social Security people. Oh, Hello, your one. Social Security card is going to be uh, canceled. I've gotten a bunch yeah. of those. Unfortunately, on my phone, those Social Security ones are getting blocked. But the problem is, it will say scam alert on my phone. But the problem I've got on 
on uh, my car. If I'm in the car, that scam alert doesn't come up. So I've answered some of them only in the car. And then I find out it's the IRS thing. My, my um, first flight, I got one of those just as I was going to the airport parking gate. Uh, I have fake IRS call. Now, now it's the car. emails. What are they doing have, on emails now? Have you gotten the email? I just got one the other day that said, um, this is your receipt. Thank you for your auto renew for, and in this case, it was for LifeLock. Um, and it said, thank you for your auto renew for $366. Uh, if there's any problem with this invoice, call this number. Well, I didn't Delete. order, you Delete. know, and I thought, oh, I don't really want to call the number. So instead I stopped everything and I called LifeLock and I said, did you send me an invoice for three? And they said, no. Uh, that's the problem. The other thing I, I just push delete. The other thing I'll do before I delete it is I write down the number and then I go look it up. There's certain numbers that are big scammeroonies, but you did yeah, the right clever. thing. You go back to your LifeLock account and you call the number, like let's say it's the credit card scams. You go back to the back of your card and you use that number. You don't use the 800 number they gave you. Yeah. I don't, I don't trust anybody anymore. Well, uh, but, I trust you. but the problem is, is that I get a lot of legitimate calls where someone in a foreign country and I've, I've got to make sure I say, now who's calling, please. I'll say that to everybody. And then if they say something about the IRS, I just hang up on that. But yeah. but sometimes it's somebody in a, in a foreign country and it's legitimate. I think we've all been on either side of the phone call where you call somebody uh, and, and you, you know, you say, hello, is this so-and-so? And they're like, who is this? And you say, well, I'm Shannon Penrod from Autism Live. They go, oh, I thought you were a telemarketer. I thought well, you were I've, I've done the same thing too, or I thought it was a scam call and, 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 you know, and also who do you work for? And, but it's just awful. Uh, well, we, I just want to say to Leon, we were responding a little bit to the chat. Um, we asked for questions ahead of time. And so we want to thank everybody who wrote in and uh, we did, we, we could see the chat and Dr. Granny could see the chat. Of, and some of the chat things, but okay. Somebody asked her, can you still get COVID after getting vaccinated? It's possible, but it said greatly reduced risk, greatly reduced. Um. And, and it would probably not be as serious. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and we all have to do what we can. People have made is they get one shot. This is a real mess. One shot on a two shot regimen. I don't care which vaccine it is. And two days after their first shot, they go out and party and they're going to get really sick because it hasn't had chance to work. In fact, I have a family member who had one shot and was waiting to get their second shot and was being very careful, but needed to go up to a hospital um, for an appointment and um, ended up contracting COVID. Uh, she was two days away from the second shot. So, I, you know, I, I have personal experience that that's not a good plan. Well, uh, people people need to follow the protocol. But they, they uh, like I had to go to a hospital to get to get mine and they were doing it well, I made sure I took a very wide, I, I had to park behind the hospital. I walked around the hospital. I took a very wide berth of the emergency room, like a 50 Absolutely. foot away from the door of the emergency room. And and then I went down and found the door that was like a big front door yeah. 
to the main lobby and I went in there. Yeah, and you got to be masked and you I know. Was. I was, but I they um, yeah. I certainly wasn't going to go in the emergency room at entrance, no, that's for sure. No. But I had to go to the hospital because that's where they were giving the shots out. Yeah. And Here in LA, they have big, huge um, drive-through um, that it's like a driving course. You would kind of love it where you go a million miles before you actually get to the spot where they stick you. Well, I, um, I, I was doing it, you know, since I am older. Was doing it right before uh, they started doing the drive-throughs. Yeah. Now some of our faculty went through the drive-throughs. They said they felt like it was like the way they do vaccinate cattle. <laughs> exactly. It's the craziest and, thing. But that um, the thing is, it it's no vaccine is absolute. Yeah. And, Absolutely. And I. Uh, but it was sort of like oh freedom. I remember yes. right after I got the second shot and then that trip to Harding University was exactly three weeks from the, the, um, from the, yeah. uh, the three, you know, the shot would have taken effect and I booked the plane ticket. Amazing. Well, Temple, on. we've kept you way longer than we agreed to. I just want to thank you so much. We adore you and we look forward to having you back again. Thank you for being so patient when we lost the internet. No, we want to talk about my, my worst nightmare. What's that? No, and I was just looking at all the stuff talking about the junk mail. And it, the thing I thought was really sad is when they made a junk, a scam Special Olympics call. That is just so cruel. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. We need people in this world that are going to do things to make the world a better place. Not just, you know, scamming seniors and they're not going to get me because I've, I've, they'll, I mean, it's just ridiculous. So say, you know, that the, if, if I don't recognize where a text is from, I uh, write down the number, I write down, then I delete it. And then I go look it up on the computer. Well, again, Temple, thank you so much. Uh, before we came live, we were talking about the the new film Stowaway uh, on Netflix. So let me know if you watch it, what you thought of it. Uh, I think. Well, I don't I think know. They can't live without the CO two scrubber unless there's some way they can make a CO two scrubber out of other stuff they had on the ship. Well, watch it and then let me know what you think. Yeah, that would be something. Hopefully, they have some way of. Uh, they get too far. Well, you still could get. You know, they got communications. I want I want to know what you think about what they end up doing. I want to I want to get your opinion about that. Well, so I'll call you later on in the week. So whether they make a CO two scrubber out or something else, then. Well, I I can't give away the plot. People okay, will be mad at me. I'll end up watching it, so I'll probably go, I'll probably go read the spoilers online. You don't think you? I think you'll geek out on all the 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 stuff. It's not NASA because they repeat. It's in the future, so they refer to it as Hyperion. But I think you'll geek out on all of the, I think that part of it you'll well, really One of the love. things, you know, when they had the original Apollo accident and they had to fly back and they had to, um, the, the other problem with the CO2 scrubber, one, I think one part of it had to, they had to use a different one and it wouldn't, the connections wouldn't fit. Yes. Now all of a sudden the plastic bag the spacesuit was in was more valuable than the spacesuit because yes. they made a sleeve between these two scrubbers that wouldn't fit together and taped it up with duct tape. I love that scene in Apollo 13 where they just throw all of the parts on the table and they go, they here, you have to make this one. And you just put it together with a sleeve. Yeah. And that would yeah. work because you're not talking about a lot of pressure there. But We you know, need to go back to NASA. 
Yeah. We need to we need to make another trip to NASA, see our friends yeah, at NASA. Right. I went to Cape Kennedy three years ago. I got to go in the vehicle assembly building. I totally geeked out on that. I got to see a live SpaceX launch. That was like so cool. I didn't I, get invited to that temple. Uh well, I got <laughs> went there for a conference on diversity. Uh, and that's uh, but I had a really fun time I, you know, talking to everybody and and I I talked to somebody who had Tourette's that worked on a, building a launch pad there. Wow. Well, well I want to get you to meet Elon Musk now. That's well, new I think one. That wonderful. And he gets stuff done. We don't have enough people in this world to get stuff done. We got people using their minds, rip off seniors and do scam calls and all that stuff. And Elon Musk gets things done. Yeah. Well, and so does Temple Grandin. Um, but I, I, I know I'm going to, you know, I've already overstayed my welcome here with you. I'd love to stay talking to you, but I know you got things you got to do. Temple, thank you so much for being with us. And, and as always being so fabulous, we just enjoy our time with you. We'll, uh, we'll see you back probably month after next. I'll give you a call and, and invite you to come back. Okay. All right. Well, that sounds really good. And uh, thank you for having me. We kind of got off the subject. But, no, uh, it's always the subject. Okay. Sometimes it's more interesting, Temple, to just be with you. Um, because you give so many people so much hope and we get, to, we get to hear how you think. And sometimes that's more important than anything else. Well, it's, it's been a learning experience for me as I learn how um, some other people, how they think is different. You got the verbal thinker that's really linear. Then there's another person I was working with, and I think they're a bit of a math thinker. They're less linear um, in how they think. The other thing is different kinds of minds can complement each other. Let's go back to the Mars rover. Uh, that little helicopter, somebody made that in a shop. You know, that doesn't get enough credit. It's mission critical. It's pretty cool, too. No, it's really cool. Yeah, it's got a Qualcomm smartphone chip in it, standard off the shelf. Uh, that got written up. But how about the person that or people that made that? And it wouldn't be 200 people wouldn't make that. Small team. You know, it it's I, I, you know, sort of the visual thinking part often doesn't get enough credit. Have you toured JPL here in Pasadena? Yes, I have. Yep, I have. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that's very cool. Um, and those are the people who probably made that helicopter because they or, make all the robotics. They're machine shop contractors, which, yes. which fortunately I did see some, some, uh, some of them got, uh, you know, credit for it because, you know, they have to farm a lot of that work out. But there needs to be a lot more credit given to uh, people that actually make this stuff. You know, you're not talking about something, it's not some something like, you get some factory that makes a jillion of these coffee cups on some machine that's stamping them out, or maybe that's a molded. I don't know, but they have you ever been one of a kind thing? And you see the visual thinkers like me, you need us to figure out how to make some of the stuff. Sorry, my phone. Um, have you ever been to one of the first robotics tournaments when they do the robot turn tournaments? Um. Okay, Travin's saying we got to end the show. I just got Yeah, the he is. He says, the producer says that he's getting the hook. All right, uh, Temple, we adore you. 
I, I will call you. Uh, thank you so much for being with us today. We're going to be back tomorrow, you guys. Uh, Dr. Uh, Dorian Grampiche is going to be here to answer your questions. And so that will be tomorrow's show. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you, too. Thank you, Dr. Grandin. Okay, Bye -bye. Well, I'll leave the uh, studio now. Thank you very much for having me.